Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise. Okay, uh, a uh, brief uh, few things just to get you started. It's the beginning of the year, so let me have a quick administrative moment. Number one, um, like I said before, uh, I have a few focuses in the, in the new year, and one of them is men. Um, I, I believe that men and masculinity has been under severe attack, and, and that um, uh, church has, be, has a perception sometimes of a, a feminine activity, but statistics uh, be true as the man goes, so goes the community, uh, so goes the family, um, so goes the church. And we, as the men of this church, want to make sure that we are showing up uh, in the places where we should lead the way in prayer. We should lead the way in fasting. We should lead the way in holiness and morality. And I'm asking all men, at least initially, to pretty start off this fast with us together that we might join hands and cover this church. I need you to cover this church, to cover this city, and to start off right. Can I get a baritone amen for all those who will, who will, who will come? This, is, this year you'll be a life group leaders. This year you'll, you, you, we need you to usher with a greet. We need you to be a presence because when the next generation sees you, they know what they're supposed to do. They know that the environment is safe and they know it's great. So I'm going to focus on you because there's an attack on you and, 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 and me, and we're going to win that particular battle. Can I get an amen? amen? Ladies, that's not to say that you're not important, but right now you're doing your job and you're doing it well, and we celebrate you as you have done so well leading the way and so many things, but we got it too. Two, not in spite of you, but with you. Um, number two, I, I feel like the next generation... Um, it's been under attack and we've kind of left them in a school system that is violently against the Bible and biblical values and teaches them and espouses things that that are antithetical to their growth and development as a human and as, as a believer and we need to put something down in the heart of our, our in mind of our teenagers that causes them to be able to boldly stand up and say uh, not so not in my house that's not what I, what I was taught that's not what the Bible says because God writes the law in our heart and they need to have the boldness to stand up so I'm encouraging you to start this year by saying my child is going to be involved in Sunday school they're going to be involved in uh, the youth meeting they're going to come to the reset and maybe they you know camp Christian camp is the number one thing that changes your young person's life. So at the end, if you're a young person or you want to support and financially give to young people's uh, development um, in this coming time, there'll be a booth. I said, James, stand up. He's our youth minister. That's my son, James. So turn around to the people so they can see your face. So if you, if you see him, go. It's a hard work, so we want you to uh, do that. And um, finally, I knew that as we begin the year, everybody was going to be looking for things to do to get your life in order. A lot of you started with your gym membership. Uh, I want to tell you, you should go get your money back. They give you 30 days to get your money back. You're not going to do that gym membership. The gym, you know, start at home with push-ups and calisthenics. You know, just because 
Ain't no sense in wasting that money. And they know you're not signing up either because you sign up every year. You know what I'm saying? It's not, if we don't, and then we don't go. Don't make that a, a, a thing. That was nothing. We sign up every year and we don't go. So y'all just take your memberships back, get your refunds and everything. But if you're looking for a next step of what to do with your, with your life, here it is. Uh, we have organized something at our church called The Path to help you have a definite next step. Uh, know what to do. Put that uh, up there. And, and, and here it is. The most important thing for you to do at this church, and this brochure is to help you find where you're at and know what to do next. You need to know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, you're just an attender of the church, and, and you know, you're enjoying you know, the things we offer, but you don't know Jesus, you got to get to know him. And you know you know him if you repent and you believe in him, when you get baptized, when you're willing to share your faith. And if you don't know what to do to be involved in a church, we have a connect class that can help you with that. That's your next step. Become a member. And then each one of you need to join a faith community. We call that a, a life group. You're not going to just make it on your own. That's not what, Then you need to grow. There's nothing that's designed. You, that attend a spiritual freedom is called getting the devil out of your life. That's basically what it is. It's, it's just deliverance from generational things, from things that have been plaguing you or bothering you, participating in equipped classes. That's just teaching you like Sunday school, the Bible, training you to be a minister. You need this. Number one, most of you will be in marketplace ministry. That means most of you will never stand on a platform like this. You'll never deliver ministry from the church setting, but you will be in your workplace doing Bible study and doing marketplace ministry. And we actually equip you to reach people in the marketplace. Then we need you to serve and discover your spiritual gifts. You know, the Bible says you have your gift. One of the first places you dispense it is in the house. And when you get to dispense your gift in the house, it's easy to go outside of the house. And we train you to do the work of the evangelist. It says in evangelism, we train you. So if you've never done B B1 discipleship training, you need to do it. If you've never done an engaged training, you need to do it. Then our mission statement of this church is to reach the city to touch the world. You, ha you can't stay in these four walls. You can't stay in these four walls. Everybody is being equipped to do something, to go around the world. Pastor Philip, if you're here, stand up. Pastor Philip is our missions pastor. He has sent people around the world. He is our apostolic uh, uh, leader. And if, you, if you've never been on a mission trip, you should be going on a mission trip. Erica Diggs leads mission trips. Pastor Dave, he will lead a mission trip. Uh, so I, didn't, I, I almost accidentally, yeah. Uh, you, you wanna, it's hard to go somewhere around the world until you're reaching people right around you. So we want to teach you to do that, reaching the city, meet people around you, reaching your city, and then reach the world. This brochure is designed for you to put it on your refrigerator or wherever else. Don't just throw it in your car or throw it amongst other things. You know, we had to pay for it and we got the glossy paper so you know it was expensive so that you wouldn't throw it away, okay? The glossy paper. So we want you to have that. And, and then on the back is our values, devotion, diversity, discipleship. It's our mission statement, reaching the city to touch the world. And it's our vision. Our vision statement, which is what we want everybody to do. We want everybody to be ministered to. And we want you to equip. We want you to be equipped to minister to other people. This is it. So in a nutshell, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to hold on to. And you need to be on this path. All right, here we go. One of the things that really disturbs me 
is when people boast about what they know, but after I hear them talk, I think they don't know what they're talking about. Have you ever been with somebody that's so convinced that they're right, even though you know the fact state and everything they're saying is wrong, but they stay stubbornly committed to the false reality that they just espouse? And you got this thing of, should I try to convince them or should I let them go? Now, we all grow up having to deal with these false statements and false speeches in our life. Let me give you a few illustrations of some of these uh, things where people think they know, but in fact, they have no idea. Number one, that it's unsafe to swim after you're eating. Recreational swimming after eating is perfectly safe. I want you to know that. Uh, Number two, going outside with wet hair will cause you to catch a cold or the flu. Both the cold and the flu are viruses. You cannot catch them from having wet hair. Uh, Four, you lose most of your heat through your head. You might put your hat on. You move that. Untrue. The distribution of heat loss is equal across the entire body. Um, There are just things that people are committed to saying and doing that are untrue. And some of them can cost you your life. And I wonder if we will be the people who hear the untruths or the misinformation or the disinformation and be silent. Or will we be people who hear, hear these things and say, you know what, I want to put it in order. When I look at the particular text today, you're going to see a person who is espousing a truth to him or, 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 or to him. And how Jesus deals with things that are not true. And perhaps we can make the adjustment and deal like him. Let's go to Acts chapter 9. It's a famous story. And we'll start at the first verse and we'll read from the first to the fifth verse. And then we'll we'll get into the lesson. When you have it, say amen. Let's read very loudly and together. Ready? Read. Excuse me, Paul was a guy who was a man's man. He was educated. He had the answer to all the hard questions. He was a leader and highly influential. Um, He had the right cultural background and upbringing, so he could not only espouse what was, but he could keep the current culture of Judaism vibrant and alive. He was so committed to his faith that anything that was in opposition to his way of thinking, he not only hated, he vehemently and actively looked to destroy. I mean, he wanted to tear it down, lay waste to it. He wanted it uh, wiped off of the planet. He was narcissistic. Um, He was evil. There's no other way to look at it because he didn't think it was enough for Christians just to be hated. 
He didn't think it was enough to just crucify the Savior. He wanted everybody who believed in Jesus to die the same death that Jesus died. And he tried to make it legislation. And he went and got letters that allowed him to literally go into the home of someone who actually believed in who Jesus was. And if they confessed Jesus as Lord, to drag them out, to beat them, to jail them, and to ultimately kill them. He was the one who participated in the, in, in the death of the great martyr Stephen. And the only thing he was guilty of was preaching the gospel. He hated gospel preachers. And you might be saying, what does that have to do with today? It's like the world has told Christians and people of the way, and that word way means on the path or on the journey, people of the way should be stopped. So no one wants you when you're in the school setting to say anything about Christ. No one in the work setting wants you to say anything about Christ. And if you say something about Christ, someone will tell you they'll take your money, they'll take your job, they'll take your scholarship, they'll take something from you, they'll bring harm to you. The same spirit that was alive and violently against Christianity back then is the same spirit that's alive right now. And it is not satisfied until your voice is completely snuffed out. There are people on this planet, just like Paul, who want nothing more, more than your demise, than your absolute destruction, and they have set up a world that can absolutely destroy you so that it is more beneficial for you to stay silent about your faith than speak about it. You got a whole group of people that he's paralyzed. How do you know? Because the Bible is not saying, and the Christians showed up when Paul was breathing out murderous threats and said, you're not going to kill us. No, they are hiding. And they are hoping he doesn't come to their house. They don't have this boldness that says, I wish he would knock on my door. I say, Jesus, the angel will get him like he got those, those, those people when they was trying to get Lot. Where is that boldness within Christianity that says, I want to smoke? But so, and so now you have a person and you think about the Holocaust, which is one of the most horrible things that ever happened on this planet. You think about uh, American slavery or what has happened to the, the, the Native American population. You think about the people groups, the, the, the uh, sex trafficking, this in this world. And you think to yourself, who is standing up against this stuff, this injustice and these things that aren't right? But the, we have learned to be silent in the midst of things that are ungodly. Let laws and different things go into place with no rebuttal. Six million Jews die, and, 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 you, and you wonder, like, did anybody want to stand up? And there were moderate stories of different people standing up. Pastor Dave gave a story uh, a week or two ago where, where somebody fought in, uh, what nation was that? Okay, well, to, to make sure that the Jews' lives were preserved. No one's doing this. And now we got a guy who's telling everybody what he perceives the truth is, Judaism or death. You convert to the way I think about morality, the way I think about the world, the way I think about the world's uh, workplace, or you don't deserve to live. And there's silence from the people. And I think to myself, when we are silent, when we should be speaking up, what needs to happen? And I, I, I have what happens. When we're unwilling to do what we should do, which is rebuke the devil. 
When we're unwilling to stand up against demonic opposition or fleshly opposition or the world that tells us that tries to define us or silence us when we're unwilling to stand up Jesus Christ himself will step into that situation and stand up and instead of darkness ruling he who is the light of the world and the love of all humanity will step out into a step down into time and shine bright when he confronted Saul or excuse me, Paul, because no other human would do it. When he confronted him, this educated leader who influenced people to give him letters to kill people did not enter into a negotiation with Jesus. He didn't say, well, oh, Jesus, you showed up. Okay, let's talk. No, he wasn't standing toe-to-toe -to -toe with Jesus. The Bible said he was laying prostrate. He laid down. He wasn't saying, let me get my points out of Judaism, you get your Christian points out, and let's have a healthy debate. Who told you that you were supposed to debate whether or not your faith, which is abundantly true, should be debated against other faiths and you got to try to prove yourself? No, we proclaim the gospel. We proclaim there is no other name, there is no other word, there is no other God. Yeah, Jesus is our man and that's it. What is this that, that tells us to just get mealy-mouthed? Now he's got nothing to say because when Jesus steps on the scene, he silences the voice of devil. He silences the voice of the flesh. And now, he's, when he does say something, put the, uh, that, uh, the fifth verse up. No, no, no. The, the and he said, who are you, Lord? Now, this educated man who knows the Bible, knows the, the Torah, knows the, what Christianity has been speaking about because he's against it, knows that calling him Lord is saying, you know, I'm crossing over now. You know, you don't need to just come and kill me. You know, I know what I've, I, I, I've been doing. He immediately starts confessing and when Jesus Christ steps into your life, if you want some advice, if he brings conviction on you today about anything that's wrong in your life, the first thing that you should do is fall on your face and humble yourself and say, yes, Lord. Because, and when he called him Lord, he's saying, you are my master, no mistake about it. You are my boss, no mistake about it. Who are you? He said, I'm Jesus. I'm the self-existent one. I'm the eternal son of God. I'm the second person in the Trinity. I am Yahshua. I am the God who saves. I am the savior of the world. I'm the bright and morning star. I am the light. I am the divine counsel. I am here. I'm him. Everybody making basketball shots talking about I'm him. They lying. They miss free throws. Jesus don't miss free throws. Um, him is what he's saying. I was perfect. I was sinless. I did nothing wrong. And there is no debate when Jesus shows up. See, there's only one thing that can stop a crazed man. And that's the spirit of truth. You need to know who he is to stop the evil that you are.
You cannot do it alone. You need to know who he is to stop who you are. Sometimes our path has been make money, make friends, make success. But we need to be clothed with this light. We need to, I, I thought, I thought, Pastor Dave, because I went to vacation Bible school and I went to Sunday school in confirmation class and I volunteered for church cleanup days and service days, I thought I knew him. But it's only a holy confrontation that I had with him where I was boasting that I had him with other people and a light showed up in a room that I was in praying and I lay prostrate on the floor screaming, Lord, get away from me, that I realized that me and God are not on the same level. I, unfortunately, I have this to say to you that if you haven't made Jesus your first and most important step, you're headed toward a holy confrontation. It's not one where there will be a debate. It's one where you land on your face and you confess in this life or the next that he is Lord. This light blinded him. This is not uncommon. The light that was on Moses from having been in the presence of God was so powerful that he had to put a veil over his face. God is real power and he is real glory and he is very present. I want you to look at verses 6 through 16 and see if you let God confront the evil in you, what does it look like? Verse 6 says, but rise and enter the city and you will be told what you do. The first thing you do is start doing what he says. What you think, what you say, what you want to do has to stop being important in 2024. All your choices need to line up with his will for your life. And if you're not sure if they line up with his will for your life, you need to be at 6 a.m. prayer, 12 noon prayer, 7 o'clock prayer. You need to be here. and You don't need to be eating, watching TV, doing social media. You need to fall on your face until you can surrender to the thus saith the Lord that is over your life. You need to hear him say, rise up and go. The men that were with him were traveling. They stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. This is not uncommon. People can be in the same church service with you. You're hearing God calling you to the front, calling you to newness of life, calling you to breakthrough, and they don't hear nothing but rumbling or thunder, or they just think something dynamic has happened. But transformation is happening when you know Jesus. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. Don't wait until Jesus had to interrupt your life and really debilitate you in order to surrender to him. Don't wait until sin cripples you. Don't wait until he has to do something divine to halt you so that you say yes to him. It's a loving act, but don't wait that long. He's got to be led by the hand and for three days he was without sight and neither did he eat or drink. He was fasting. Why didn't he eat or drink? Was he not hungry? No. He, he now knows I've been spiritually blind. 
I've been off. I've been lost. And I've got to cut off feeding my flesh so my spirit man can be revived. You need this set apart time to fast and pray. You need it. I need it. I'm desperate for it. I love to eat. I don't like the scripture to say he didn't eat or drink. When Nehemiah had to rebuild, he didn't eat a drink. When Daniel had to stand for it, he didn't eat a drink. When, when uh, uh, Esther had to get them uh, to fast and pray for her because her life in the nation was destroyed, she didn't eat a drink. Anna didn't eat a drink. In fact, when he said demons only come out through much fasting and prayer, if you got some type of oppression, you don't need to eat a drink. You need to go for it and seek him. Now, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord said to him in the vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. That's the response for somebody that's been a believer a long time or for Paul, who's been a believer for one day is yes, Lord. Some of you need to get a yes, Lord, this whole prayer time. Maybe you don't know what to say. I don't know what to pray, Pastor James, so I don't come to prayer. Just come for an hour and say, yes, Lord. Until the revelation of what he wants in your life is a vision like he's given to Ananias. And the Lord said to Ananias, rise and go to a street called Straight. That's very specific. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. That's very specific. And behold, he is praying and seeing you in a vision. A man named Ananias coming and laying hands on him to regain his sight. That is specific. God knows how to speak specifically to you. Yes. Isn't it funny that Paul was in there praying? Who taught him to pray? Who taught him what to say? Maybe you're like Paul who don't know what to say to the Lord yet, but this scripture says he was praying. Because it doesn't take much when you recognize you're broken. It doesn't take much when you recognize you're directionless to get a litany of things that you can say, Lord, help me with. He needed direction. I loved it. I don't love that he was blind, but noticing that he was blind prevented him from continuing in evil. And Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many people about this man. How much evil. He has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. Jesus, are you asking me to go and have dinner with the devil? My life could be in danger. But see, when you're a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, he has an assignment for you with people who are designed to respond positively to the gospel message you will preach to them. You might feel like you're the unlikely candidate to go to the most educated, most powerful man in the land at the time, but you are uniquely qualified just because you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. He didn't say he was an apostle. He didn't say he was a major prophet or a pastor. He was a regular disciple, a disciple maker. Somebody just helped people follow Jesus and he had a prayer life and he's now able to show Paul all the things that he will suffer and how he will reach the Gentiles the Jews and kings. The very deliverance that Ananias needs is in launching Paul into ministry. 
Why are you running away from your boss who's unsaved? They need Jesus. Why are you running away from the dean you have access to? They need Jesus. Why are you timid and afraid to be bold in the circles and the places you leave about your faith unless it's a corporate religious moment? You need to begin to prophesy to your generation that thus saith the Lord. You have a gift and you have a word and it's time for you to rise up. I'm so glad that God used Ananias because he uses disciples to make disciples. You ought to be deciding in 2024, I'm going to be a disciple of the Lord and I'll be a disciple maker. And wherever he says go, I'll go. Whoever he says is my people are my people. And I'm going to go up to, uh, uh, in the later verses, he's going to come up to uh, Paul and say, hey, brother. He don't fully know if he said yes to the Lord, but he called him a brother. Prophesying to him. You see. When God wants to do something great in the earth, he calls up some men. I got to stop. It's like, he got him a man. This is not an offense to women, but he, 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 I, I want to speak specifically. And, and he didn't, he didn't get this man and say, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to make your life comfortable. I'm going to get you a, a cigar group and a little little wine club and um, some, you know, some sports things that can pull you away from all the things of God. He said, no, I'm going to pull you into a revelation of how you can give up your life for kingdom good and suffer for it. When he raises up men, he interrupts our pleasure. He interrupts our lives. He said, hey, 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 James, I got something you can lay down for a greater good. That's what men do. They sacrifice. They don't think about what makes life convenient to them. They think about how they live like their savior who laid down his life to redeem. He is calling Paul in this moment to surrender his life. And I am telling you about the World Outreach Church and especially men right now. He is calling you to surrender your life. And it was going in one direction. But you hear me by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is going in a new direction because you have a divine appointment with Jesus Christ. And he has a plan for your life that was here before the beginning of the earth. And he wants it out of you now. Glory to God. So you need to, so if you know who he is, he can stop the evil that you are. But you need to obey what he says if you know who he is. Verse 17. Read this for me. Ready? Read. I've been sent to you who hate me. I've been sent to you because I can give you a message you're willing to receive. I know you've called him Lord and he's my Lord. So if he's my Lord and he's your Lord, we're brothers. Jesus does a lot to 
tear down that which divides humanity. No one could think, you got to think about it right. No one could think that they could be Hitler's brother. I can imagine that he didn't want to be associated with Paul. He was Hitler. And he had to come into that Hitler spirit and say, hey, brother, we got work to do. Stop thinking that the most wicked person that you know is not a candidate for the gospel. He's a candidate. In fact, the most wicked people you know are ready because they have gotten to the end of themselves and found out at the end of the life they live is futility. You're my brother. And then what happens is he invites Paul into the inheritance of believers, which is deliverance from demonic power. It's healing for your body. And it is being filled with God's spirit, not just in you, but upon you to do mighty and great works. And the Bible says then, I'll just quote the rest, he was immediately strengthened. And then he immediately went to the disciples in Damascus and he immediately began to preach the good news about who the Son of God is. The proof of your obedience is how you act after you say, yes, Lord. You have a path. I have a path. I have a next step. I don't just have a brochure. I have a next step. Jesus is walking me into a new life. Jesus is walking me into surrender. And Jesus is walking me into being a kingdom, a part of the kingdom that advances and lifts up dark things and dark people into great places. Stop thinking. I, oh, I'm so sick of this thing being espoused by then. You know, we're at the end, the last and evil days. Jesus is going to be back tomorrow. It's just, you know, this world is done. What Bible verse tells you to do that? Sit around and say, you know, it's bad. Let's just stay in the house. Could be in a war tomorrow. Don't want to say too much. Don't get yourself identified. Let's store some rations up. Look, he, he can get a raven to feed you. Don't get so stuck on preserving your own life that you can't advance the kingdom. 2024 is you saying yes to being a soldier in the army of the Lord. Saying yes to see the people on your job saved. In your school, save your family. Who do you think is going to preach the gospel to your lost family besides you? Who cares? Who you want to do it? Uncle Johnny been drinking for 50 years. Somebody got to tell him. Aunt Susie got her cigarette and she smoked her little weed on the side. You know, somebody got to tell her about Jesus. We have racist family members. Racism can be in a black family as well as a white family, just for the, those who always think that that only applies to one group. Y'all need to say amen. amen. Thank you. This, you are the answer to the world. Church is not your little cute exercise. You know, I feel good. I went to church today. Make me feel good. A little holy touch. It makes me get through my week. I'm on a spiritual high. I'm just, I'm just, all right. I'm going to take me another hit next Sunday. Ooh. Ooh, sing, Sister Debbie. Let me touch my spirit. But don't activate your ministry. Get, can I, I, I got to be me today. 
Get yourself here. You're confused. You don't know what's next. You don't know. Paul was praying and you know you haven't prayed. You haven't forgotten how to pray. You say the Lord's Prayer and Jesus wept and you pray over your food and you think that's enough. Get in here on your knees and know who he is. But you can either do it voluntarily or you have a divine appointment with a confrontation. Stand to your feet. Everything, I mean, obeying him means everything in your life will start making sense and getting better. He loves you too much to let you think you know, but have no idea. You are not your favorite post. Bible says, and he was with the disciples in Damascus. Stop thinking. Break your false relationship with Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Just giving people a window to look into your life but not be a part of your life. And then ignoring the people you worship with who want to be a part of your life. The Bible said, better is a brother near you. Better is a friend near you than a brother far away. You need a real spiritual friend. If you haven't noticed, it's time out for kind of being in. Yes, when you come, you're going to get prophesied to. Yes, when you come, you're going to receive holy impartations. Yes, when you come, you're going you're gonna, to gonna be challenged. Yes, when you come, sometimes you're going to be like, I don't like that prayer of meeting. Just go to the next one. You'll like it. We got different types of different people, different strokes, but you're just all seeking the same God. Some of you going to get it through yells. Some of you going to get it through cries and, and somberness. In the diverse church, he takes Ananias and Paul and makes them brothers. It's impossible on your own, but with God, it's possible. Minister team, come on down. You and I need to take the first step, and that's knowing who Jesus is. Not thinking about Jesus. I'm going to make three calls, and all of you can come at the same time. And it might be the same thing for a long time. If you don't know Jesus, come get to know him. If you've not been baptized, come and declare to somebody, I'm going to take care of that this week. If you've not been filled with the Spirit, come get filled like Paul did. If your body needs to be healed, there are people with the gift of healing. The gift. You can supernaturally be healed. I don't know what you need from the Lord, but we'll take one minute, minute sing a song, let you come, and we'll be dismissed.